Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Nikki and I'm going to be sharing with us a bit about our story because it is neighborhood churches. Um, this week would be celebrating our third birthday. Um, and I was looking up what's the difference between a birthday and an anniversary because some people celebrate anniversary or birthday because in my mind I'm like there's celebrations for both. Um, but really the only difference is what was it that um, a birthday is the year of your birth and the anniversary would be the celebration of like your a special event. So I'm like, really, we could use both, but I prefer birthday because for some reason it seems like it's more fun. Um, and like I'd been sharing earlier, every year on birthdays, I feel like it's a really good time to reflect back. So in our my friendship circle, I'll ask birthday questions, and we've gotten in this habit where we'll ask each other questions like, what was the best book you read this past year? Or uh, what was the best use of your money? That's a fun one. Or like, what was your favorite purchase? Things like that to get you thinking about how are you spending your time and your energy and your money? Um, but as a church, we don't always do this. I don't know, ev- in the churches I was growing up, well, we never knew how long things were until it was like a centennial, like a hundred year. I know in my town in Esco, it's the hundred year celebration. So there's a celebration for those kind of things. But um, on June of 2019 was when Neighborhood Church officially began. And um, we've been around as a church since 2015. But we were a very different style church back then. And for those of you who are you're listening for the first time, you get to hear a little bit of history um, about where our church, how our church came about. And that church was called Cloquet Vineyard. It started in 2015. And we were meeting in the Cloquet High School. Um, it was a very different style church service. For those of you who had been a part of it, you know it was like a big service. And we had been a church plant. We had planted out of a larger church in Duluth called the Duluth Vineyard. And there are people who were living in this area. And that's kind of how church planting works, where if there's a group of people who are in that area, you usually want to have a church there. So really no different than kind of our whole vibe with neighborhood, which is we want people in churches in their neighborhoods. So that when you are at the grocery store or you're at school or you're at the gas station, you're seeing all the people that you would probably see on a, on a Sunday morning. And you get to have, build relationship and have conversation, and there's something precious about that connection that we can have. And so um, I'll just give you like a, a flyover of what that kind of experience was because if you'd never been there, if you've only been here, it was very different. Um, we took over the Cloquet High School and remade everything. It took about 50-plus volunteers to make it happen in the morning, and it started around... 6.30 or 7, and we had two giant trailers filled with stuff because we really turned the school into a church. We had even our own lighting system. Like, we had a special button. And the Cloquet High School had just put in a new, like, beautiful stage and light. So we were getting some of the benefit of that uh, used to. But we even, I would use, like, an inner ear monitor. It was like a rock star thing, like big drums and all of that. Um, and for the kids, they had individual areas for Uh, specific age kids for things to do. They had the whole um, cafeteria area. And then we took over the um, 
what's that room called where you, yeah, the, well, it wasn't the lunchroom, but where do you learn how to cook when you're in school? What's that room called? Home ec room, thank you. So we took over the home ec room for coffee bar. So there were multiple areas in, the, in that school that we were using on a regular basis. And it was exciting. It had a lot of energy. Um, it was a lot of work. And at about the height of it all, there was about 300 plus people that were regular attenders of that church. And so in like kind of church economy, that's a big church. And especially in a small town to have that many people coming to church, you might call that successful. Like, wow, you've got this big church. Um, and this is my hometown. I am born and raised in Cloquet. I was born up at the hospital right up on the hill. And I graduated from Cloquet High School. And so I have a lot of relational equity in this area. And so it seems like if you're checking the boxes for wins, it seems like a good win to come into, back into this town and have a church. Um, and I even grew up in one of the churches locally. It's where I met my husband, where we fell in love. We eventually got married there. And so that was just, we had some, like I said, relational equity. We had some street cred in this place. Um, and so you might say, like, wow, that sounds pretty great. Like, it sounds like things were growing and people were building. And we were even talking about at that time, there were quite a few people that were driving from the Moose Lake area. They were part of church. And we were in talks about we should probably have a church there. I mean, there are people driving half an hour, 45 minutes to come to Cloquet because they liked the kind of church we were doing. And so we're like, we should probably just have a service there so people aren't spending half their day driving to church. This is kind of where our headspace was at that time. Um, so you might ask, like, what, what made those things change? So I'm a pretty competitive person by nature, and I love achieving, and I love people, and I pretty much detest any kind of unnecessary conflict. I'm not looking for those kinds of things. And I will manage something beautifully for, until the end of time. If I could just, like, keep something running, that sounds great. Like, I could bump over some things, um, that'd be okay. And I would have done that as a pastor of Cloquet Vineyard. But something was brewing inside of me. Something was changing um, as a part of my connection with God and my growth spiritually. And it wasn't just changing in me. There, it was, there was like a, like a vibe that was happening amongst the people in our church. And then even in the world, things change. We grow and we change and we evolve as people. And you might know there are just... So, so there's that going on, but then also you probably know that there are like divine moments in your life where something, you've either had a conversation, um, maybe something's happened in the world, uh, maybe somebody has addressed something to you or you saw something that you thought, I, can't, I won't ever be the same again. Something has changed. So either I'm going to do something about that, about that change, or I'm going to know that that happened, I'm going to shove it way down because I don't want to deal with because it's going to probably cost me something, right? I mean, we've all had like, that's probably going to cost me, maybe it's not the right time. Um, but there were some divine moments where things were happening within church and in myself where I'm like, something is changing. And it was, uh, for me personally, a little scary. For the church and for the growth of how we want to see God moving in places, it was very exciting. So what we were noticing in our church was that we had no safe, secure, or compassionate entry points for LGBTQIA plus people. And there was a developing fracture around some of the preaching and the teaching that we were doing about white privilege and justice for black and brown lives. And while we were really nurtured and excited and we were, there's things that were developing within our church, there were other people who would hear something and go, 
wait a second, what did, what did you just say? What are you talking about? And I remember one specifically, and uh, Chris got up and he was talking about Genesis, he was talking about creation, and he happened to say, on purpose, this was an accident, um, that God had no specific gender. Instead of saying he, he said that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he was talking about the Trinity, that they created the world, and we don't have to specifically give God a he gender. And then he kept going. Now, this is a big church. We're still under an evangelical movement at that time, so there are some things that you talk about and don't. And he shared that. And somebody came up after him and said, did you really say that? And people are still coming to your church? Um, which, yes, he did. Um, so, and we got other comments like, people started asking us some questions, which should happen in a church community. We love questions. We love curiosity. But if you've been around to different styles of churches, you might find that your curiosity or your questions aren't always met with the most excitement. Um, or maybe not even met with a listening ear at times. Some places, yes. But we, got, we were getting a lot of questions. Some people were asking us things like, um, what are we doing more for LGBTQ people? Like, what does your church, are there any, like, rules or values that you have already in this church? Because I want to bring my cousin or I want to bring my friend. And at that time in the church we were in, there was a position that they took which did not support LGBTQ people in leadership or in their marriage. And we didn't have a politically correct question or answer to give to people. We also got questions, and I'll get more to that in a second, but we also got things like, people coming up and saying, hey, some of the things you're preaching about now don't make me feel good. Like, you're really challenging my button. When you start talking about white privilege to a large group of white people and telling them that perhaps some of the way that they've been viewing themselves or God might need to change in order for them to see some racial justice in the world, that can be a, that's a hard thing for every single one of us. Every single person should feel some press back, but that doesn't mean we don't talk about it. And so we were getting questions on the wide range of the spectrum. People saying, we don't like this, these conversations. They're really tricky. And then people saying, we need more. We want more of that. And anybody who's working with large groups of people know that it is a tough needle to thread of like trying to keep a group of people happy. Like a large group of people happy, it can be tough. Um, but we also got a lot of feedback saying, don't, give, don't let up. We love the stuff you're talking about. And then there are people who started attending our church that said, We've never, we haven't been going to church before. We love the things that you're sharing. So it was all across the map. And people had all kinds of um, questions and interest. But there is something about the church. There's religious practice that is very sacred. So uh, we, we always want to honor that. We want to honor people's experiences. And there are exp expectations that should be met for every church leader and church body and church space. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be those things. There really should be. You should be very, you should understand what's happening within your church, what your church believes, how they practice their faith. That's really important. Um, but these sacred and religious rights can also make the church a big bully. Um, and the church has done every kind of evil in the name of God. And I'm just talking about our church. I'm saying the large C church, like all of church, that there are things that have happened in the name of God that are wrong. And it's good for the church to acknowledge those things. So all of these things are kind of rolling around in my brain. But the thing that I really couldn't remedy anymore was any kind of church protocol that's denied people access to church life. So before neighborhood, we had specific guidelines that said LGBTQ people could not lead in the church. 
And there were even guidelines for how we would have conversations about this. We were to say things like, if somebody were to ask us a direct question, like, can I attend your church? Can I lead? Could I be on the worship team? We'd say, well, let's go out for a cup of coffee. And then it was, try to have as many cup of coffee conversations and skirt around that question, which is not clear. It is not kind, and it leads somebody on. They're having to have all these conversations when they're really asking for a direct question. And that got old, having that. Because really, there was one standard protocol at that time, which was you have to be in a monogamous, heterosexual, marital relationship. That was the call at the time. And we were not comfortable leading anymore that way. So if we were going to look at unkind and unclear, we were sure as a church we had to stop misleading other people because we believe that to be wrong. That's the sinful act, is to mislead other people. So we got clear pretty quick with our lar- the denomination we were in, and we were asked to leave, or we left, and we pretty much walked away from an evangelical church setting. You can look at what evangelical means a little bit further. I'm not going to get into that here. But pretty much we, we walked away from that style of church. And we wanted to be a church that provided safe, clear, and compassionate service for people, for all people. Everybody gets to belong. There weren't any secret meetings or secret rules. Um, and while we really hoped and advocated for change in that church, because we started there first, we're like, well, we've invested a lot in this church, and there's a lot going on. Can we just change that rule? And that was a non-negotiable. Um, and that was heartbreaking. So while it was heartbreaking, it was also very freeing to get clear and honest about how we could serve each other within a church and that the things that we were preaching and teaching could be challenging to people, but it could be the expectation instead of like an abnormal conversation. On the regular, we want to talk about disrupting and disturbing things because we believe that's a part of how we grow. Um, And we had lots of people thank us for the work that we were doing. We had lots of conversations and people who sent emails or texts saying, um, you know, I, I left the church a long time ago because I was either shamed in front of a leadership group or um, I t- attended church for a long time. I didn't even know there was a rule like that or that those were, nobody told me, thank you for sharing. And so it brought up some clarity for people too. But what we wanted is to have a church where people weren't denied access to things that we felt like everybody deserves to have, access to um, common spiritual rituals like marriage, communion, baptism, child and infant dedication, spiritual and biblical trainings that are open to everybody because we believe that God says that everybody belongs. Everybody belongs. So while we know the list is long of how the Big C Church has hurt and wounded the very people it's meant to save and love, we know that the church itself is a group of us. It's a group of people. And that we can change. We can evolve. We can grow. Um, we also can do some damage, too. So the thing we're moving towards is how can we be loving and thoughtful and curious people? So we knew that our community could do something about that here. We could change. And we could say and be the kind of church that included those who felt excluded and that we instead would exclude some ideas that other churches were developing. And that was the thing that personally and professionally felt like something I could live and die for. But this also caused quite a bit of a tornado because it did cause a church split because there were people who were attending our church at the time because of the kind of church we were doing. We were saying we're changing. 
And that caused a lot of hurt and pain. So while it created freedom and excitement for some people, for others it was hurt. And there are quite a few people who left our church because of that. And then it caused some disruption for us as well because we left a system of churches where we had created some professional um, credit and we no longer had that. And it was hard. I would say it was a bit of a tornado for a while to walk through that. Um, there, was, there was at one point where I, I was talking with a friend and we got, it was, how about it was a little bit surprising of the amount of things that we heard or got criticized for when really what we felt like we were doing was this is the work that God would ask us to do. But I remember telling a friend, I'm like, I think it might have been more acceptable for Chris and I to say we were getting a divorce or if we would have said, we're st- we stole a bunch of stuff from the church, but would you please forgive us? Like at that point, that would have been more acceptable in the larger church community than what we were doing at the time, which was saying everybody belongs and we're saying no to that big church, the microphones, the balloons and everything to do something else. It was hard, um, but totally worth it. So I have incredible sympathy and empathy for anybody who's had to walk through like a change in your faith practice. It can feel like a complete desert to walk through at times. Um, but there was, there was some work to be done because things were happening quickly. So we rebranded as Neighborhood Church. We put that new sign that's out front that you guys walk by, and we downsized our location. We moved out of the high school. We moved here um, into the hub. And we started doing things. We painted the walls. Nita, you bought all these nice new chairs for us. We bought new mugs and put things on it. Um, and one of the things we had said, this is going to be laughable in a minute, but this is like pre-COVID. One of the things we said when we were in the larger space was, wouldn't it be nice if we actually rub elbows with one another? <laughs> because we were pretty much spread out, and at that time being spread out wasn't a big deal. We kind of wanted to be close. And so one of the selling points for moving back into the hub is we said, we're going to rub elbows with each other. We're going to talk. We're going to breathe each other's air. We're going to be close to each other, <laughs> which seems laughable because it's a bit like, COVID robbery. We don't talk like that anymore. Um, We don't look at connections anymore without some level of risk assessment. And that's just something that's lost for us. Um, So we moved into the hub from the Cloquet High School Auditorium on February 2020. (laughs) Um, And we had plans that we were just going to be meeting every Sunday here. We were going to keep going. We think we were going to do a couple of services to make room for people. And we met like that for about a month. And then in the middle of March, everything changed. And not just for our church, right? Everything for every single person changed for all of time. COVID hit. And I think we're still trying to figure out what to do and how to do things. And so a bit of how I'm going to talk now isn't so much about all the things that COVID affected, but really how it affected our church and church in general. Um, but I'll never forget that, that Sunday we had service and everybody left and there were a few of us sitting here and we were like, we need to have a quick conversation about what are we going to do now? Do you guys remember this? Like things started shutting down so fast and you had to start figuring out like, well, now what are we like, can I go to the grocery store? Can I, do I go to work tomorrow? Like it's, there was so many things that changed so fast. Um, and so we had a couple of like a, couple level conversation because what we realized is we have already put our church through a big transition of changing the name and moving locations and now we're saying don't come back to the building and so there was a moment where we were standing here going we might not ever open these doors again 
Like maybe the big impact we made was what we did instead of saying that everybody belongs, all people get to go to church, and there shouldn't be any. Maybe that's the impact we're going to make, and that's great. But we were like, we just spent all this time and energy creating that safe space. We want that. And so the idea of what makes a safe space, we're still trying to figure that all out. Um, organizations can only handle so much transition. So the schools had closed, buildings closed, and none of us knew when a vaccine was coming. We didn't have masks yet. And d before this, we started using terms like in-person. This is like common language now to say in-person, but I don't remember us ever using those terms before. Like, we're going to go meet in person. We'd just be like, I'm going to go have a conversation. Now we're like, are we in person? Are we over Zoom? Are we meeting? Like, there's just some language even that is new and common to us that wasn't before. Um, so everybody was home for a while. And we, we were, I think we were amazing. I think the things that we accomplished and did virtually, um, doing game nights, and, and when I say we, I mean this, all of us, like the things that we navigated of, um, helping out our neighbors and staying at home and figuring out how to create a mask out of scarves and whatever else. I mean, we got pretty creative really fast, and that is incredible. Um, but we, we all ran to Facebook then, and pretty soon churches on Facebook, which is another kind of funny comedic bit that somebody needs to create, like that we all ran to Facebook for spiritual connection. That's pretty funny. Um, but the hub now, Chris and I are coming on Sundays to do service, and it worked for us because we're living in the ha same house so we can do this bit together and but the hub is all shiny the chairs are new the paint is fresh it smells great in here the mugs are new and there's nobody and for the first couple of weeks fine we can do this um we wanted to be there for you we wanted to um make sure that you had a safe place to connect too but after weeks turned into months and the months ran on and on. And we did try a couple of times to meet in person. It just didn't work because then the numbers would spike. And it just never felt right or safe to ask everybody to come back in this space. But then you started to know that other churches, there was a trickling. There was a change amongst the larger church. Some churches started opening back up. And some did not. Some people stayed virtual and never opened up. There are still quite a few churches that have done that. Um, some accepted and required vaccines when they were available. Some denied them. And then there was quite a bit of political and social unrest that started happening. During this time, that's when George Floyd was murdered. So it highlighted this whole divide in churches over racial ju justice. So churches are asking, is it spiritual? The white church specifically is asking questions like, is it spiritual or biblical for us to fight for racial justice? Is it the church's place to preach or advocate or evolve? What are we doing about that? So we're seeing even just in church in general, there's a significant dichotomy where people are basing their decisions on, do you support black lives or blue lives? What kind of sign do you have in your yard? That's what started to, you notice there was lots of signs going up. And so churches again are deciding if they stay silent, if they're gonna speak up, are they doing business as usual? And politically, churches are divided on their view of democracy. And there are some writers now that are talking about that time of church life as the great reorganization. Like people just reorganized. The people decided what they were doing. If they were going to go to church anymore, quite a few people left church entirely. And that was their own decision whether they were going through a spiritual, their own spiritual uh, reawakening or if it wasn't safe because of something physical within their own bodies. They just didn't feel safe to go to church anymore. 
People changed to go to churches where it was acceptable to do the things they wanted. And so hidden values were surfacing here, and the church got clear pretty quick. Our church was closed for 14 months, and the second time that we did Good Friday, an Easter service, so we did it the first time here, the second time that I drove here knowing there was nobody going to be in the building, um, was probably when I noticed the significant downshift of my optimism of like, what's going to happen with church entirely? Um, I cried on the way to church and on the way home because there were so many things that we had all lost. Um, and there was no really a clear roadmap of how do we do, how do we get back together safely? We can share all kinds of information through a screen, and it's lovely that we can do this. I'm so thankful that we can have virtual service. But there were some things that became clear to me in that season, because I think there was a lot of clarity stuff happening when we had so much time alone, too. But that we the people can grow spiritually without a church service or a building. None of us need that. We don't have to have this place to grow. And we can connect with the divine without a church service. So what is the point of a church service is the question I think people are asking and pastors should be asking. We can live without it, but we can't live without the connection of seeing each other, of hearing each other. We don't have to rub elbows anymore, but there's something about being in proximity with one another that we can observe things to know if, are we doing okay? How are we doing? There's a weekly ritual of having coffee together, of singing songs or listening to songs, of greeting each other. There's something about even thinking about larger questions in this space that um, can't be manufactured. We can do it, but there's something different when we can be in person and do it. So what have we gained? What are we celebrating three years later? And I believe that we are celebrating that this place, this neighborhood, is a place where regardless of your faith type or your spiritual tradition or your relationship status or your sense of certainty, you can come here, you can listen, you can question, you can sing, you can sip coffee, you can stay, you can go, you can go, you can stay. This place is here for you. And that neighborhood provides a safe, loving, and inclusive spiritual environment in Carleton County. And we're the only, it's called low church experience, which means I can sit here with my flip-flops and my cup of coffee. Like a high church experience means that somebody might have a robe on or they just have a little more um, change up to their spiritual tradition. But there are three other churches in this area who are also inclusive and they practice more of a high church uh, service. And what we hope is that that grows. We don't want to be the only church like that in this area. We're hoping that we're just kind of like, oh, yeah, neighborhoods is one of many churches where everybody belongs. And neighborhood does have a firm belief rooted in biblical ideas that all people belong to God, that we all belong to each other, and that we all belong to ourselves. And that more than this physical space that we're in, which really it matters too, our physical space matters, neighborhood church is an idea that we get to emulate. So how do you take your kindness your curiosity, your love, your acceptance, your doubt, your belief in God, your humanity. How do you take that everywhere you go in the conversations that you're in with your family or around tables? We're hoping that, that even that idea of neighborhood church is something that lasts with you, whether you stay here or you go. And that's something that I'm hoping that we get to celebrate again in another year. But even if anything changes, 
we know that there is something really beautiful about all of us knowing that we belong to God. So before I close, I wanted to end with a, um, I've got a benediction about honoring transformation. This is from Pixie Lighthorse. But before I um, read that, I just want to say to those of you in this room and those that are watching, thank you so much for being a part of Neighborhood Church. You are the church. You are the people who are helping other people feel like they belong. And to the many other people that helped make the transition happen that are no longer here, um, thank you. I just like a big thank you to God and to the universe that for the amount of people. And there are people who watch and support the work that's going on here that have never been in the building. And so thank you for you too for um, creating a safe place for people and for following through on that vision. We just are so thankful for your support. Um, and we want to celebrate that we're here. So I celebrate with all of you. I'm so happy to be here. And I love that our story has joy in it. It has pain. It has hardship. It has good, powerful renewal in it too. So as I read this, if you want to, if it's helpful for you to close your eyes or take a deep breath beforehand, you can do that. But this is Honoring Transformation. Thank you for this beautiful day of changing. My shell is shifting, my skin shedding, and I am uncomfortable with what is leaving me. Help me find the language to describe the discarding of my barred branches. Bring understanding so that I can welcome what is coming. When I am unsure about how to go forward, help me trust that I will love myself through it. Encourage me when the time is optimum to let go of what has passed. When those around me are not eager to know my restored original spirit, soften me with the realization that if I am uncomfortable with my changing, others must be too. Let me be an example of becoming more whole while leaving unneeded parts behind. Clear me of any blockage that stops the flow of goodness from me and the flow of goodness to me. Would you salt me with grateful tears and cleansing rain? Bathe me in the distilled water of evolution. Amen. Well, thank you for sharing this Sunday with me, neighbors. Um, go in peace.